ברוך השם, you're a bad Jew. שלום. היי, איביו, וולקום בק טו נאדר פרסוד הבאד ג'ו, דה פלייס וויר דר איז נו סאץ' תינג אז הבאד ג'ו. וויט מי טודי איז שושנה פרום מי סו קולד ג'ויש לייף. שושנה, אייב בן איזטר פאן אוף יור אינסטגרם אנד טיק טוק אקאונט פור אבר. האו יו בן? איז סו גרייט טו האב יו יור. תנק יו, תנק יו. אייב בן ריילי גוד. איז בן אינטרסטינג טרו דיש צ'אלנג'ינג טיימס. אייב פיינד מייסלף און רולר קוסטר אוף אמושיינס, דיילי רולר קוסטר אוף אמושיינס אנד טריינג טו. ground myself as a Jew, as a human being, and find a little peace in this insane moment of our nation's history. And I think that you've perfectly illustrated how so many feel that we've all been on this roller coaster trying to, you know, wrap our brain around this really difficult time and it's been tough. It's been tough. Yeah. And yet there's also been glimmers of light as well. You know, we've, we've had hostages returned, not all of them, yeah. but some of them, which is a good start. And I think as well, it's been an opportunity to connect with the community and bond a lot more. We have a really interesting topic on today's podcast that pertains to community building for sure. Before we get into that, Shoshana, we have the right of entry onto this podcast, the four minute bad you challenge where you tell your life story in four minutes. Are you ready? I'm ready. Excellent. Excellent. Hi. Everyone, my name is Shoshana and my handle is My So-Called Jewish Life. And my life story in four minutes is, okay, let's see if we can, if we can pack it in. I was born to, into a Chabad family, very Orthodox, super Orthodox Chabad family. My father wore the black Bekashah, my mother wore a wig. My mother, in fact, is a convert. She converted into Judaism through Chabad. My father is a Balchuba, so I had a dynamic household filled with interesting people. Things that you wouldn't find in a very orthodox home, a dog, maybe TV, some music. I knew what the doors was, you know, when I was a kid. And most kids did not or have a TV. So I definitely was exposed to a lot of interesting, interesting stuff from my parents' back, background and exposed to Hasidut, which Chabad is known for. And, and when I was 15, my parents got divorced and I went through a really, really dark time. My mother ended up on, addicted on drugs. And it was a really, really challenging time. I was on my own from 15 till about 18, working, figuring life out, trying to. So I've been to the school of hard knocks and back <laughs> and a couple of times. And I very cherish my experiences because it's made me the person that I am today and able to share some of my love for Judaism and my. So back to 15 on my own, I moved to Israel when I was 18. I studied in Tzfat. Tzfat has my heart. I love Tzfat. It's like this most beautiful, magical place. And I was there for about a year and a half. And then I started fashion school in Tel Aviv, which is another part of my love and passion. <laughs> and I was there for about a year and a half and transferred to FIT in New York and finished there my degree in fashion merchandising management. And I love living in New York. New York is a dynamic, wonderful place. It was hard to leave Israel. I love Israel. I love being there. I, I will be there once again, <laughs> one day. Where are we at? What's our, what's our time? Oh, we're at a minute and 50 seconds. Oh, wow. Okay, okay, okay. So we're good. I have another two minutes to get through the other half of my life. <laughs> so when I was about 23, I, very orthodox, I married another orthodox, a very orthodox person, and it ends up being a very... 
challenging, abusive relationship and one that I had two children in and it was very challenging to get out of in the Orthodox community, getting my debts, getting divorced, getting the support, which is a whole nother, a whole, we could spend a whole podcast on any of these topics. <laughs> so that challenging, getting through that in my life and, and getting out of that and, and still keeping love for Judaism and love for our community and our nation while feeling a little bit abandoned by this, these experiences and not understanding my purpose, having these experiences. And since then I have two, I have three children. I have two boys, a 19 year old, a 15 year old, and I have a beautiful four year old little girl. I am remarried to a wonderful Sephardic man from Morocco. And I'm learning so much about Sephardic culture and it's amazing what a beautiful, beautiful, rich culture they have. And my, the combination of the Chabad culture and the Sephardic, I really have a very rich, vibrant Jewish life. I love uh, my Jewishness. I love being Jewish. And I'm also an artist. And my art and all of my experiences has led me to paint this art that I feel is very meaningful and spiritual and deep. And I can't wait to start sharing more of it on my page and with everyone. And one of my biggest passions is the Ketov project, which is Ketov is when Hashem created the world and he finished creating certain aspects, he said Keto. And he said that it was good. And the lesson that we learned from that, and I could go into it, but the lesson we learned from that is that everything is actually essentially good. There is no bad. You know, even if we may perceive it or experience it physically to be bad, it's not really bad. So the Keto project is something I'm super passionate about and that you know brings us to where we are now and I'm working in uh, Hebrew Academy working with the kids bringing the keto project into schools around Miami hopefully worldwide and so yeah so that's that's basically my my journey <laughs> I, I love that and thank you so much for being vulnerable it's not easy for everyone to be vulnerable on the four minute badger challenge but you did it and from that from that turmoil from that stress from that that really difficult, you know, childhood that you created, you were still able to create this wonderful project about positivity. I left the banner on YouTube on the bottom there for creating positivity to engage with the Keto projects. And I love that theme. I really didn't know about what Keto was until you said it. I'm, I'm curious, and this is not what the podcast is about, but I just have to ask a little side tangent question. Yeah. The concept of Keto, what inspired the phrase Gamzela Tov, this too is for the good? So I'm not sure. It's a really good question. And now I'm totally going to look it up. So I'm not sure. But it is that concept of like that Hashem loves us. He created the world with love and compassion and kindness. And even though there is judgment in the world and even though there are, you know, square things in the world and, and, and certainty about certain functions of the world. But essentially, it was created with love and compassion and that everything that we experience is for our benefit. It's for our best. And instead wow. of being victims to our experience, we can be creators of our experience and accept what is, accept like, oh, wait, this is happening for, the, for my best. This is for my benefit. And that attitude, that mindset is a beautiful Jewish concept of positivity and being besimcha and being happy, happy with what we have, happy in the moment, being present. And then the Keto project is all about that. You know, like, let's be present. Let's be here. Let's be grateful for what is, even if what is, is uncomfortable. Beautifully said. And I really appreciate you being realistic about the answer and acknowledging the discomfort that comes with happiness that is oh, required yeah. in order to achieve happiness. I think that's oh, such yeah. a theme. We did an episode 
a long while ago with a woman named Rachel Dadbin, How Do Jews Do Happiness? We, that was an episode that we did. And we talked Absolutely. a lot about that theme. So I, I very much you resonate. With kids, and this, it, it goes over and over in my head. We need yeah. to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. The key there to success go. at life is being comfortable with being uncomfortable. If I could be uncomfortable and comfortable in my, in my skin with being uncomfortable and not being able to manage the, you know, I'm, I'm a superhero. I'm a, I, got, I got it. You know, I'm in, I'm in that, that place of toward equanimity. This idea of equanimity is this beautiful Kabbalistic concept of, of mind, body, soul being in sync. But you have to be in control of the experience and what's coming at you in order to have an equanimity. Like if you're not in a good space, if you're negative and everything that comes at you is negative and everything that you experience is negative and, and this victimhood is just there, there's no way you're connecting with Hashem. There's no way that you're feeling the way that your neshama is supposed to feel. Like we're supposed to live in a way that our neshamas feel good, not our bodies, our neshamas. Like, so you have to live in that way. So how do you get there? By mastering mind and body. Wow. Wow. Well said. That, that in itself needs to be its own podcast episodes. Consider this an invitation to a future episode where we talk about Thank this. You. I'm very excited Thank about you. that concept. I want to learn more about that. But Thank you. Shoshana, the episode topic of today is how can we, the individual, fight this war? And this is an important question right now because right, what I've been seeing personally, and I'm sure you've been seeing it too, I have a lot of friends, Israeli and not Israeli, who feel helpless, who feel like they are incapable of being able to do anything to fight this war. Some people have been, you know, trying to take up prayer and, you know, it kind of goes back to that expression that there's an expression in Judaism, which is pray as if there is a God, act as if there is no God. And they feel like they, the acting part is not there. But from what I understand, you have put a lot of action into what is happening and you are in a way fighting this war. And I'd love to learn what are you doing to fight this war and how can an individual anywhere in the world, not just in America, not just on the East Coast in New York, how can they fight this war? Yeah, that's such an important question. It's something that like we have to keep talking about and keep sharing because people do at times feel despondent and they feel like helpless and it's scary. We are a small nation, very few. There's a, less than 15 million of us against billions of people that have this negative, very negative, hateful perception of us and are paying to spread lies throughout universities and campuses. So it's really, it, it seems overwhelming. It seems scary. So you could be like, wow. So when I was a kid growing up in Chabad, we had this concept called Sivas Hashem, the army of Hashem. And I belonged to this group and we would do Torah and mitzvot and we would engage in small acts of Torah, small mitzvot, kindness, ahavat Yisrael, things like that, loving one another. And the Keto Project is also part of this, like looking for Hashem's goodness. So this idea of like, that we are all Tzibat Hashem, we are all Chayalim, we are all part of this together. Like we are in this together. So you need soldiers to fight on one end and then you need soldiers to fight on the other end, on the physical end to protect us, to physically protect us from the physical harm. But there's also a spiritual harm at play here. There's a lot of negativity and all of this information, all this negativity that's being pointed at the Jews, these words, the hate messages, it creates vibrations, negative, negative vibrations, low low negative vibration, but it does create an energy, an energetic field. And we have to combat that 
by creating positive energetic fields. And how do we do that? By actually showing each other compassion, being understanding. And, and even if it's the person in the grocery store, like just being nice to everyone, making a Kiddush Hashem, sanctifying God's name, that we are Jews and we are held to a higher standard by the world. Obviously, they are holding us to a higher standard. So we have to raise our spiritual vibrations, raise the energy. If you know one parak of Tehillim, you can even say Tehillim in English or in Spanish, whatever language you know. It doesn't matter the, the vibrations and the energy that comes from saying Psalms, from saying Tehillim is amazing. Like it's really impactful. Joining a charity. There's this organization called Daily Giving. It's this incredible organization, dailygiving.com. You should have him on. He's amazing. And he created this tzedakah fund to create a space where people who couldn't give tens of thousands of dollars were included in a mitzvah of tens of thousands of dollars. So basically you give a dollar a day. So it's $30 a month. And it's pulled into now, I think they're up to 18,000, over $18,000 a day. So your dollar is as if you're giving $18,000 a day to these amazing organizations. Like something like that, a small thing that you could do that really makes a massive impact and raises all of the spiritual vibrations that are not in, you know, because we have to, we have to raise above where they are, you know, if they go low, we go higher kind of thing. So not by combating the stupidity online, because we have beautiful people that can do that, but by behind the scenes, you know, doing things with each other, getting together and learning Torah, or even getting together and being happy, like in the name of Hashem. I had in, in our annual Hanukkah party this year, instead of doing like the usual, like just hanging out, we did mitzvahs. I taught everyone how to tie a tzitzit and you could, that's a very big mitzvah and a mitzvah that you wouldn't normally do. We had a bracha party. So we made a bracha on every single bracha, every single bracha that you can make was great. There's so many mitzvahs that we could do. It, you know, the fact that uh, people disregard this idea of a Havas Yisrael, how powerful that is of, of accepting one another in this very gracious, compassionate way, the way that God and Hashem, he, they, he accepts us in the most gracious and compassionate way. He wants us to do the same for each and every Jew. It doesn't matter how Jews serve Hashem, that, that is their business. It's my relationship with Hashem and it's not of me to judge how other people have a relationship with Hashem or serve. It's for me to be kind, compassionate, and be an example. If I want to be an example, then I need to be the example. I can't expect other people to do something that I, I am not representing. And if I want compassion, I have to show compassion. That is the biggest thing for us. Like as soon as this thing happened and all the hate that was going on all over the world and that stopped, that energy that, that broke, that we need to, we need to continue that unity, that us. It's so, so, so important. You know, like you come across a Jew that looks a little different than you. No big deal. Ain't nothing. <laughs> you know, I, I'm very moved by the idea of if you want to, if you want to receive compassion, you got to give compassion. I think that's uh, absolutely pertinent and, and absolutely true for, in general, how the world works and how human beings interact with each other. I want to learn a little bit more about vibrations in a second because I've heard that expression and I think everyone in the world has heard the expression vibration, but we don't actually know what it means. I want to learn what yeah. that means. But the biggest thing I want to say that piggybacks off of what you just said is these acts of compassion that we can do for each other and also for the non-Jewish outside world and the secular world or, or you know, just for, for Gentiles in general, right? Yeah. Um, I think there's, I think there's, it's, a, it's a beautiful idea. And to piggyback off of it, 
in doing so, we need to show our Jewishness as well. And, I, you know, I started wearing my yarmulke just over a year ago. And I was wearing it every single day since my third Israel trip, as many of the listeners on this podcast know. Yeah. And it's been a big life-changing experience for me. But there's only been one period of time where I really didn't feel safe wearing my yarmulke. And that was when I traveled to San Francisco the week after Hamas launched their attack. Yeah. I took my kippah off because I was going to a very politically charged progressive city. And I wasn't sure what might happen. I even saw someone get assaulted on the bus in San Francisco. So I definitely was glad that I didn't wear my kippah in that time because it's more important to be safe and live another day than yeah. to put yourself at risk. A hundred percent. However, however, if you are in a safe place, I think these acts of compassion that lead to simcha, as you've described, that lead to happiness, as, as you yeah. described. I think you should, if you're a man, wear your kippah. And I know people that have in this time have used this as a, a Jewish awakening, an identity awakening. Yeah. And it's been beautiful. And I also think for the women as well, you know, that there are, there are symbols that they can have, whether it's, whether it's a necklace with a necklace with a Hebrew, with the Hebrew on it, or, you know, more modest clothing or, you know, whatever it is that makes you feel most Jewish. Yeah. That your acts of compassion while representing your people. Could what makes more- me feel so Jewish? What makes you feel the most Jewish? I'm going to tell you what makes me feel the most Jewish. What, when sure. you're out in public, what makes you, such a good question, what makes you feel the most Jewish? You're asking me? Yeah, yeah. What makes me feel most Jewish in public? It's so funny. Um, I mean, I think, I think there are acts of service, right? Whenever you do complete a mitzvah. Like I one time had a spare shirt I didn't want anymore. So I actually intentionally drove out to Santa Monica here in Los Angeles. I found a homeless man and I gave him the shirt. I didn't want to go through the organization. I just wanted to go right to him. I felt very Jewish doing that. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that makes me feel most Jewish is when I go to like a Jewish restaurant, which is really funny. When I go to a Jewish restaurant and enjoy like some kosher food with some friends, and that's always a, a good Jewish feeling. That's what yeah. makes me feel most Jewish in public. How about you? Yeah. The I, I would agree with the first one when I am acting like the Jewish queen that I am, you know, in public and I'm representing Hashem and I'm representing the Jewish people and this beautiful nation of ours well by those acts of compassion and service and kindness to all the people that I come in contact with that that to me, I'm like, yes, you know, this is this is I like even if they are not sure if I'm Jewish or not or, you know, that I know that I left them with good energy and I left them with a smile and with compassion and you know, I make eye contact and I, and I am kind and I'm asked and I'm there, I'm present, like just because I may live on another planet sometimes. So, you know, cause spirituality could take you, you know, take you kind of away. Like doesn't mean that, that people who don't get to experience that don't deserve that humanity. Everyone deserves to be seen and understood. And even if it's for three seconds, I, that makes me feel the most Jewish. I love doing that love it i love that but speaking of you know those those positive acts essentially the daca in action right you you described something earlier and i wanted to get back to it vibrations what exactly is a vibration what does that mean exactly so we are more energy than we are physical we your energy so i asked my student this I'll, i'll ask you this do you have an ashama yeah or are you a neshama?
I guess it, it, it has a lot more meaning when you say, are you a neshama? Are you a soul? That's who you are. The body's just a vehicle. The body's just a means to an end. The neshama is eternal. The neshama is a part of God. So that is the essence of you. Now, is it contained in your body, this neshama, or is it surrounding you? I don't know. I don't know how to it's answer surrounding that. you. You have an aura. You have an energy field. And the more holy, for lack of a better word, I don't really like that word, but holy life you live or more spiritual life you live, the greater the aura, the stronger the energy. You know, you meet really pious people, holy people, and you're like, wow, this person's energy is amazing. Or like you could tell that they're holy or their face is glowing or, you know, you can kind of like tap into like for a second. You're like, wow, this, there's something I can't understand or feel about this person, but it exists, you know? Yeah. And I guess people who are really tapped into that can really see your energy. And actually, I don't know if it's proven or not, but on my page, I actually posted a video of this uh, scientist in Israel who says that when you do mitzvot, your glow changes and you can change and, and see the, the glow around you. And when you blow the shofar and when you make brachos and when you put tefillin on, like you can actually see the change in the energy around you. So having said that, Kabbalah also reinforces this idea. And we are more, the, the neshama is an energetic thing. Like everything is made up of energy. The whole world is made up of everything, plants. There's energy in everything. That has been proven, right? So like scientifically, it's been proven that there is energy there. So they cannot define in the end, 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 end what that energy is. But you and I both know what that is. That's Hashem. That's the, you know, the thing that we can't put our finger on because he is so present in everything because he created everything. But the same way that there are like levels, heat, the, the light is constricted, constricted and, and you can't see it unless you're looking for it. You know, you cannot see this energy unless you're focused on this idea of vibrations and energy and, and elevating. And, and, and even some very religious people don't even, they don't even subscribe to it. They're just like, we're just going to do Torah mitzvahs and we're just going to not even like get into the Kabbalistic part of things. But I believe that Kabbalah is necessary. I, my seeing on how Kabbalah explains things is that Torah, mitzvot, it's an outside thing, an outside journey. Kabbalah, it's an inward journey. Kabbalah is going to teach you how to master mind, body, soul, so you have that equanimity so that you can perform the Torah and mitzvot at a very high level. But there's levels to it. It's a very, it's a beautiful, you know. <laughs> so, so when we do a mitzvah, like the Torah tells us, right, we're wrapping tefillin, right? It's like this most incredible, beautiful ceremony that we do, the wrapping of tefillin. And why are our chayalim wrapping? Because it protects them, because it's, a, it's warrior gear, because it has energy. The combination of XYZ creates a spiritual elevation. And so I, I believe that we're kind of like witches, you know, and you know, we are able to not not in the not in the like Harry Potter sense. In the we are able to move energy by using Torah and mitzvahs. We are able to manifest things using Torah and mitzvahs. Nothing honky, nothing weird, nothing you know like. But but that's yeah. what it is. I mean, like we we take physical things and we elevate them. Why are we elevating it? Because we want to elevate its energy. Because we want to make its energy glow. We want to raise those sparks everywhere. So it's not something that we're not. Already doing we're just 
calling it something a little different. <laughs> it reminds me of the fantastical idea behind what alchemy is, where when you are practicing something and performing some kind of a ritual, like you said, the keyword manifest, you're able to manifest something into reality. I, I had the experience, you know, I, another thing I'd started the year ago when I started wearing my kippa uh, uh, every day is I also started wrapping to fill. I learned how to wrap to fill in, in the store that I bought it in. And a Chabad, rabbi, a Chabad yeah. rabbi who helped me purchase the- Thank you, Hashem, for Chabad. I know, <laughs> seriously, thank you, Hashem, for Chabad. But they, the, the rabbi in the mezuzah center in Pico Robertson taught me how to wrap to fill in that store, which was really, there's people doing their everyday shopping at the small little store, awkward to, to avoid. But uh, he performed this mitzvah where he taught me on the spot how to do, how to wrap to fill in. And I've been doing it's it for been, over a year now, ever since. And it's been uh, absolutely moving. It's been a beautiful, beautiful journey. And yes. I'm grateful for it. But what I wanted to say is, I think, again, like, like these actions, going, going back to that phrase that I heard a long time ago, which is, you know, act as, act as, pray as if there's a God, act as if there is no God. I think what's interesting, that something that you kind of brought to my attention is that prayer is an action. And it's impossible to do action once you understand that without acknowledging God, which makes that expression kind of a moot point where it doesn't, <laughs> you know, I think that's actually really cool. I think you brought that to my attention and uh, that's actually a really cool teachable moment for me. Wow. Thanks for that, Shoshana. What are, what are some of, yeah, what are some of the practical actionable items that people can start with? as they leave this podcast? So simple things like blessing the food that you're eating, raising that, you know, it's not, you don't have to be super orthodox to do that. The blessings are easy, accessible, easy to do. And it really raises the energy of the food that you're consuming, which raises the energy of what you're consuming, like inside of you, which is important too. And that you raise the energies on the outside. So that's simple, super, super easy. Uh, lighting Shabbat candles, a big one that brings a lot of transferring from weekday, which is mundane to holy in Judaism. That moment is super, super transformative for women. And it's a really beautiful mitzvah. And it's also welcoming. You welcome all of this light into the world when you do it. And the blessing and the moment. And there's just like this portal, so to speak, of open energy that you could just welcome into your home. And like, who doesn't want that, right? Like, so let's do that. Let's welcome more light into our homes, more light into our family. Um, Shalom Bayit is another one, peace in the home. Learning how to have a peaceful inner home is a huge mitzvah and a very base core component of Judaism. And even if you're not married, like with your parents, with your siblings, like finding peace within your community. I believe that the community starts at home, not outside. Your community is not the people that you see once a week at shul, like, or even, even if you see them every day, you know, like that is not your core community. Core community is your family, your extended family. And, and from there on out, like it's like this expanded and treating that community with love, compassion and respect shown by it is a, is a big, huge core component of, and a big mitzvah saying to Hillam in any language, I it's, it's, it's meditative. I just get lost in these beautiful words and this beautiful relationship that David Amelach had with Hashem. It's just beautiful. And it's something to aspire to because I can read it in English and I could say, oh, yes, I want that kind of relationship with Hashem. Like, yes, Hashem, I, I seek you. I want that relationship with you. And I'm going to do whatever I can 
to keep growing that. So that also is a huge, you know, just seeking a higher self, looking for the goodness and everything, the keto project, just like, it's good. You know, if I'm going through something negative saying, actually, Hashem has my best interest at heart and I'm exactly where I should be. And this is meant for my best interest. This is meant for my well-being. That's a big mitzvah. Going through difficulties with a little bit of clarity of the bigger picture. That's a big mitzvah also. And the charity thing, the daily giving, that's I think is also a really amazing organization. You're so going to have him on. He's so cool. Yeah, and, I got him on. Yeah. And then, and then just those little things, those little moments. If you are in the moment and you're with another human being, be with that other human being with compassion, openness, light, love. And that is a huge mitzvah, mitzvah because that person will leave you your space with love and good energy and a smile and they will transfer that to the next person and vibrate a bit and then it just goes you know like that ripple effect is is you cannot even imagine what that does like just being kind and and especially being kind to someone that you may not want to be kind to that is huge huge so i would say start there and gosh there's so much but you know being a good person and being kind to the human beings is number one for me being in the army of Hashem. If you want to be in the army of Hashem, you have to be nice to other people, period. <laughs> wow. Otherwise, wow. no entry. No. I, yeah. I think that's, I think that's beautiful. I, I love that. I love that concept. And to, to lead with, with kindness, as you said, I think that those are some incredible themes that are always important reminders right now, especially whatever infighting that might be existing within your immediate community, whether it's your family or your friends or your people in your shul, whatever it is, to spend kindness no matter what, especially right now. It couldn't be more important. Yeah. And, you know, Shoshana, I think you came on and spoke so eloquently about these topics and really helped me understand concept of vibrations, concept of how uh, prayers and actions can be synonymous. The, these yeah. are these are incredible things, and and you brought up a great organization as well. I, I want to bring that person on this podcast, so please introduce me. That would be wonderful. Yeah. I will. I will. Shoshana, what is the best way for people to reach out to you? Should they want to connect and experience the Keto Project? Amazing. So they can DM me, and I will be happy to send them some Keto stickers. I'm an artist, and I I work on art that is based in Torah spirituality. And, and I can't wait till I finish my collections so I can have a show and invite all of you guys to come see. But in the meantime, DM me on, on social media and I will send you a keto sticker. And I love being in contact and I love collaborating. So any, any time anybody wants to chat about anything positive and good, I'm, I'm, I'm gay. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. All that information will be displayed in the show notes of this episode. To everyone listening, thank you so much for taking part and learning with me and we'll see you next week. Thank you for having me so much. I appreciate it so much. Shalom. Sure.